Welcome to the Inventory Nation podcast, a show designed to bring you the incredible voices and stories of veterinary professionals coast to coast, all while helping you to manage and control your inventory. I'm your host, Nicole Clausen, coach, advisor, and champion for veterinary teams and their inventory. Joining you live from the mountains of Montana, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Inventory Nation podcast. I am so excited that you're here, so excited that you're tuning in. I'm just honored that you are taking time out of your day to listen to me ramble because I know time is in short supply these days. So it seems like summer is in full swing. I don't know about you, but here in Montana, it got hot very quickly and I was not ready for that. But here we are. So just um, before we dive into this this week's episode, and it's going to be a juicy one, um, I just wanted to kind of share that, you know, I truly love our community so, so much. And so, um, you know, if you ever need someone to talk to or um, anything, my DMs, my email, my inbox, you know, it's always open. If you need someone to hold a space for a conversation with you, if you need to vent, if you need to talk about anything, I just care for y'all so deeply that I am always here if you need someone to talk to. I remember when I first got started managing inventory and it felt like a very lonely uphill road. Um, and so when I started VetLogic, you know, almost five and a half years ago now. It's crazy to even think about. Um, you know, really one of the things that was so important to me was making sure that, you know, no matter what your role was, whether an inventory manager, a practice owner, um, that you felt supported whatever you needed to in inventory. So that somebody was in your corner cheering you on. And so um, that's just kind of been my mission from day one. So if you ever need someone to talk to, I am seriously always here for you. And I just love hearing from you, hearing your updates, hearing how things are going. So just wanted to share that because it feels like a whole bunch of things are super extra heavy right now. The So I'm just here if you need me anytime, always. So with that being said, a couple of few updates. So Depending on when you're listening to this, the middle to end of July, the Inventory 9-1 Toolkit is going to be open for enrollment. So this course is perfect if, um, you know, kind of a step-by-step blueprint for helping you eliminate the inventory fires um, kind of once and for all and keep them at bay. So it really kind of helps to give a just breath of fresh air and a dose of, hey, we need to get this under control right now or I'm going to lose my marbles. That's where the inventory 911 toolkit can come in and it's going to be open for enrollment. Then um, we also have some webinars coming up. I'm actually working with a very wonderful therapist and veterinary social worker on a mental health webinar. So just keep watch for all the things happening that's going on. And um, 
yeah, so there's that. So let's go ahead and jump right into um, this week's episode. So um, these are kind of some themes that have come out of working with some of my clients over the last month or two and just conversations that I've had with y'all. Um, so we're really going to be talking about some sneaky ways that you could be losing revenue or money in your inventory and your practice in general. So one of the things that I do when I work with my clients is... Um, I do what's called an audit and analysis where I look at each and every single inventory item that you have. And I look at the costs. I look at the revenue. I look at the quantity sold. We look at markups and profit margins and ratios and, you know, just really dive deep into the kind of nitty gritty of each item. And so this is honestly one of my favorite things to do because it just brings to light so much information that might not have been there um, or maybe as easily seen as, you know, when you're just kind of like working day to day in your practice. Sometimes it can be kind of like hard to see this information without really kind of digging deep into the reports. And it just kind of, <laughs> have you ever seen, oh my gosh, I can't even remember the movie, but he basically had like walls of like whiteboards and he was just like going through and investigating and finding stuff and figuring it out and getting to the bottom of it. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I wasn't an inventory consultant, that's what I would be doing because I love that stuff. I love kind of like taking the challenge and like digging deep to find out exactly what's going on. And one of my favorite things about, you know, our community is that a lot of you are like, yes, that is exactly me. Spreadsheets are my love language and I love investigating. So I know that I'm in good company with you. So let's kind of walk through some sneaky ways that have kind of come to light that I've noticed as common themes or patterns um, with some of my clients and, um, some of just conversations we've been having, especially in the like this the CVIP program and vision, you know, all the good things. So one of a sneaky way that you might be losing money is not updating the costs as they increase, right? So Right now, we are seeing a lot of price increases and they're at bigger jumps than they normally are. And so when we have these big cost increases, it's really important that then the price of our inventory also increases because I run into where an item is actually priced lower than the cost of an item so that every time that patient needs that item or it gets dispensed, that the practice actually is losing money on that. And of course, that's never a situation or a scenario that we want to have happen. So ideally, when a shipment um, or an order comes in, we want to be able to receive that into our practice management system. Now, that's helpful for a couple of reasons. First and foremost is so that we can update our quantity on hand, but then also so that we can update the cost that we paid for that item. So then on top of that, it's super helpful to have a markup percentage percentage entered so that as that cost 
um, increases, your practice management system will recalculate what the price should be based upon the highest cost and the market percent that you entered. And so by doing that, we can really catch a lot of these, these cost increases. But there's a couple situations where this might not happen, right? So let's say that your practice management system doesn't even have that function. So I've kind of noticed, um, you know, a lot more practices are going to a cloud-based system. And a lot of the cloud-based practice management systems don't have... Um, either an inventory module or they don't have the receiving function or it just takes an extremely long time. So it ends up not being super functional. So if your practice management system doesn't really have the capability of increasing those prices after the cost went up, it's really important that we have some type of manual way to identify when our costs have gone up. So then, then we can kind of adjust the pricing as necessary. And so especially right now, as we're seeing so many cost increases just across the board, it's going to be really important that we stay vigilant on that. Now, even if your practice management system does, um, you know, handle receiving purchase orders, having a markup percent, et cetera. A lot of times, um, you know, when I'm going through this audit and analysis, I'll find these items and accidentally they don't have a market percent entered or it was incorrect or, you know, maybe like instead of it being like 75%, it was 7.5% or something like that. And so we just kind of like run into these situations or these scenarios where inadvertently we are maybe losing money on this item or we have a significantly reduced profit margin. And so we're barely covering our costs on these items. So just kind of something to note, especially as we're seeing these increases across the board. So another situation that can kind of come from that is what if you receive that order, but there are no prices on the packing slip. Let's say that you're super crazy busy, you're super shorthanded, you're swamped, you know, and you don't have the time to look up each price for that particular item. And so you're like, yep, continue, continue, continue. It was the same as last time. But what if it had had a big jump? And so, you know, trying to find a way to, you know, either either have those prices handy or because you know that this particular supplier isn't going to have the cost on the invoice to kind of either have that ready or, you know, just kind of plan for that. Um, so that's kind of something that I can see is if, um, the packing slips don't have the invoice, it's just like, oh yeah, continue, continue. It's the same. It's the same. So those are just kind of some of the things, um, you know, to note is just to really have a system and process in place for updating costs, um, as they increase. So that is just so important. I can't, um, you know, I can't even 
tell you how common it is. And it's not because somebody didn't really know how or they just were careless or anything like that. Because, you know, usually that's never ever the case. They're trying to do the best they can with what they have. But either that, um, you know, they don't know how to use the practice management software, they didn't get any training, or, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. So if you're like, ooh, this kind of sounds like me, that is a-okay. Everyone starts somewhere and, you know, we just are learning and growing and doing better at every opportunity that we can. Um, so big kudos to you because a lot of times, I found in vet med, it's just, especially on inventory, it's just like, it's kind of passed down from quote unquote generation of inventory manager to the next generation to the next generation. And so, you know, without that kind of maybe that training or that knowledge or that know-how, it's like, hey, I didn't even know that I was supposed to be doing this or I didn't realize that this was a thing. So you know, as always, there's zero judgment for me because, hey, I've been there and I totally get it. So definitely don't, um, you know, be hard on yourself if that's what's happening and just, you know, give yourself the grace because, you know, the really cool thing about it is, is it is something that's like really easily fixable, right? If we had, maybe it was a different problem that might be a little bit more complex, a little bit more nuanced, but this kind of problem is really easily fixable. So that is the good news there. <laughs> okay. So then the next sneaky way that you might be losing out on revenue is not adjusting your break pricing or quote unquote special exception pricing. So let's say that for example, you have a single dose and you have a six pack and you have a 12 pack in your practice management system for heartworm or flea and tick prevention. But how you have kind of your code set up, if the price goes up on, you know, maybe the single doses, right? So that's kind of where you receive your inventory. If the price goes up on the single doses, yeah, maybe the single doses might increase, but the six pack and the 12 pack don't. So it's going to be really important that when we um, are updating our prices that we make sure and we are adjusting or increasing any break pricing or um, whatever your practice management system calls it. So that whether it's one dose, six doses, or 12 doses, it is increased, um, you know, to the proper amount. Um, this can also be the case for like food, right? If you have a can of food versus a case of food, if you're not also adjusting that break pricing, because even as it is, our prescription diet markups are razor, razor thin. Our margin for error is so much smaller than that. If we like miss a price increase like one time, we run the risk of losing money on that item. Um, so just making sure that kind of all the break pricing and the special exception pricing, those get increased as well, because often our special exception pricing maybe isn't um, like maybe we're matching to an online pharmacy or we're matching to a certain thing that isn't going to have a markup percentage entered usually because, you know, we're just matching. 
So in that scenario, if our costs go up, it's really important that we have some way to make sure that our prices are also getting increased. And so you might kind of hear like a common theme with all of this. And it's really about having systems and processes in place because, you know, when we get super busy and we have a lot going on or we're short staffed or, you know, all the mul multitude of things that can be happening, when we have those systems and processes in place, we kind of like, I almost explain them like, you know, gutters on a bowling lane or training wheels. It just kind of keeps us on the right path. And so we kind of have this step-by-step um, -step thing that's already in place. So even if like the day goes wackadoodle or completely sideways, we still have our systems and processes that we can fall back on that we know, okay, I'm going to do step one, step two, step three, step four, and we don't have to think about it, right? It's one less thing that we have to keep in our brain because it's on paper and we can reference it um, and we can follow it, or we can also have other people help us in that process. So kind of a little tangent there about systems and processes, but this is, you know, really where it's key here because um, sometimes when we don't know the capabilities of our practice management system, or maybe they don't have the, whatever, Maybe they don't even have the capabilities to handle inventory in the way we want. Sometimes we have it stuck up in our brain. And I don't know about you, but I can only hold so many things in my brain before it start, It feels like it just starts coming out my ear. And so that's why the more that we can get on paper, the more that we can write down, the more that we can systematize, I think that's a word, the better. So just kind of my little tangent on systems and processes, if you will. Um, oh, the other one that can happen is, let's say, for example, um, that you have two different codes, and one is if they buy a pill or two pills or three pills, and the other price is if they buy a bottle. So maybe that one gets... Um, received into the system just because that's kind of the one code where you keep track of your inventory but the other one doesn't get received because you just keep your inventory in kind of one skew if that makes sense um then you also run the risk of if their price goes or excuse me if the cost goes up then you know the other the other code essentially isn't going to be increased. So that's kind of another one that I can see. So usually the break pricing ones are like heartworm, flea tick prevention, foods, um, pills versus bottles, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, maybe it's like, um, you know, Adequan, right? If you sell it by the bottle or per mill. So, you know, just making sure that there's some kind of system there to increase those. Okay, now this is a big one. Um, so this next one is when your injections are set up as a flat charge or if they're set up as a service um, and they are not getting adjusted as costs go up. So there's like a couple different things here. So I'm going to break down, um, you know, the couple different things. So First of all, let's say that, for example, you have like a pain medication injection, right? And it is a flat $25. So there's a couple things that go into that, right? So 
not only is that um, price not going up, depending on the number of mills um, dispensed or administered to that patient, but because it's just a flat charge and there is no inventory item quantity um, linked for pricing, um, pricing reasons, that even if the cost of that injection goes up, that increase is not going to be reflected in that flat charge. So this is the same with sedation. This is the same with, um, you know, if you have a pain medication or a line block or any kind of injectable service that's as a flat charge, it's really going to be critical to make sure that we are either A, kind of reviewing those on a regular basis or, you know, as those costs increase, then we're also reviewing that flat charge. Now, to go on about <laughs> the flat charge for injectables, um, we could be here for another episode or two because, right, if we think about it, you know, if we look at my dog's right tank, he comes in at like 160 pounds and Ollie is just tips the scale at 15 pounds, right? But if I go to a clinic who has a flat charge, let's say like a pain medication injection, that tank is going to get the same price as Ollie, even if their doses are drastically different. So maybe for tank, you could be losing $10 on that injection, but Ollie, you're maybe making $4, right? So that's why um, you know, to kind of like separate those two there, right, is having those flat charge, not only do we want to kind of protect our profit margin there when it's just a flat charge, but then also if the cost goes up on that, we need some way to kind of um, review those prices in kind of like a structured way so that we can make sure that we increase it as needed. Um, so another example of this is, let's say it's like um, re a really expensive injectable, like maybe Cytopoint or um, Convenia or Proheart or one of those, where maybe you have those set up as treatment codes, service codes, procedure codes, whatever that's called in your practice management system. But it's kind of a flat charge. Let's say maybe you have it broken out by weight ranges. But as your, you know, um, cost goes up on that, it isn't reflected back to those service treatment or procedure codes. And so all of a sudden, if you miss some price increases on those, excuse me, if you missed cost increases on those and didn't increase your prices, then you might run into the situation where you have either a razor thin profit margin or you're losing money on every injection that you're administering. So injectables can kind of be a whole big thing. And I tend to find um, it's pretty common for injectables to maybe not be set up in a way that we are kind of protecting our profit margins, if you will, that they tend to just kind of um, stay the way that they were, right? So maybe for like the last seven years, we've charged you know, let's just say like $40 for sedation. But in that time frame, our antecedent, our dexmedetomidine has gone up 
significantly, but we haven't reviewed that flat sedation charge. So this is kind of your friendly reminder to make sure that you have some systems and processes in place to making sure that as your costs increase, that you have a way to also increase your prices. Because in order to serve and care for our patients, we need to have open doors. <laughs> we cannot, um, you know, run the risk of losing out on that profit margin because that means that there's less available, um, you know, to run our business. So, in kind of a summary for three sneaky ways that you might be losing money. So number one is you're not updating costs as they increase. You're not adjusting your break pricing or any special exception pricing. And number three, you're setting up injections as a flat charge as a service, and you are not adjusting as costs go up. So just kind of like a side note, I also see this with like lab tests. Um, anything that has like linked inventory items is something I commonly see. So just make sure that, you know, maybe next time your management meeting meets or next time you're talking with your practice owner, maybe you are the practice owner, just think, when was the last time that we reviewed our um, pr pricing for our services and procedures that have inventory items really heavily associated with that? When was the last time that we did that? Do we have a system and process for in place that as our costs go up, so do our you know, we can then increase our prices. Do we have ways and checks and balances to catch maybe those markup or the break price items or our special exemption pricing? What does that kind of look like? So those are some really great questions just to kind of brainstorm and think about, see, and maybe like you can tell in your gut, you're like, oh, I don't think you are doing this very well at all. Um, you know, or you're like, hey, I know that we are doing this to a T. I feel confident. I feel comfortable in this. You know, wherever you fall on that scale, you know, think about what systems and processes can I put in place to either improve this or maintain it going forward so that if I want to take a vacation or maybe I want to take on other responsibilities that the person who then is either taking over or stepping in for a little bit, they can also effectively manage those processes. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope it was helpful. As always, um, let me know if you have any questions. You can find me on Instagram at Veterinary Care Logistics. You can also email me. You can find me really on any social media channel except for Twitter. That still confuses me, so I'm not there. But anything else, feel free to reach out anytime. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I have you. I hope you have a great day. I hope you find a little bit of joy and peace in your day, and I hope you see a really cute puppy or kitten or cute little creature. Take care, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inventory Nation podcast and spending your time with me. I know your time is valuable and in short supply, so it truly is an honor. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or leave a review. Be sure to visit vetlogic.co slash podcast to access the show notes and discover additional links and resources. See you next time.